Three shots, four part, I just do two. One pup, pop four, birdie, woohoo. New driver, info, replace, M2, pop five, fairway, what you fin do? Think I'll try to get on into Start right, good line, good view, it drew. Shoot him, McGavin, two thumbs that's up high and two fingers pointed. The green jacket is going north of the border. Mike Weir has won the Masters. Sometimes these part three look like an island. I punch and keep it on dry land. At least I'm a try man. I up with the five and might use the trap man. I got a chat man. I think a boss be rated that back man. All right, Brooksy. We gotta talk about Brooks. We gotta talk about Brooksy, Bryson, whatever you want to call it. Um, how are you doing though, Bryce? Let's hop in. Doing good. A long day at work today, but glad to be home talking golf. Um, yeah, it's a funny clip. Yeah, like I, I was just saying to you, that guy kind of sounds like me, so it, it works out really well. But um, obviously, PGA Tour put a ban on Brooksy. Um, terrible time for the PGA Tour. You know, I don't get too opinionated typically on uh, on anything like with what the PGA Tour is like any decisions they're making, but like. This one is just absolutely terrible. Like, I don't know if you feel the same way, Bryce, but I'll just share a couple thoughts. Like, the game has been kind of trending in a good in a good place. Like, they're trying to like you know get more people involved, and and they're paying any more like paying more athletes that are you know more social like more on social media and stuff like that. Like, I'm not saying it exactly the proper way, but there's money going to some of these guys that are trying to be more interactive on social media and trying to have more fanfare and whatnot and just engaging, more engaging. And then now we're throwing them out because they yell Brooksy and it hurts Bryson's feelings. So I've always been not on the fence. Like I've always understood that Bryson's a unique personality, different guy, whatever it may be. We're all kind of different. And like what he brings to the game is whether you like it or not good for the game. And he puts eyes on the TV. We were all like watching the BMW playoff six holes against Patrick Cantley and glued to it. I'm talking to like eight of my buddies at one time. Like people are just messaging nonstop. But like now we can't yell Brooksy. Like I, if it's during the backswing, it's always been a rule in golf. Like if somebody yells mashed potatoes, whatever it is during your backswing, like they get tossed. But it can be like five seconds after a swing and he's going and chasing people down, cussing them out now, and then having the police escort them off. So I think it's wrong. I uh, I can definitely tell you I think it's wrong. I think a little bit of uh, interaction from the fans is never a bad thing. What do you think, Bryce? Oh, I couldn't agree more. Um, I think it's ridiculous. Um, whether Bryson brought this on himself or happened organically, I mean, either or, it shouldn't... He should be able to deal with it. I mean, I've been saying it since day one. It brings more people to the game of golf, and people kind of are enjoying it and running with it, so let them run. I mean, Bryson's got to learn to deal with this stuff. I mean, what happens when you go to Europe on the Ryder Cup or whatever and just get ripped apart? What, what's, what are you going to do there? You're going to break down and cry? Like, you just got to learn to deal with it and play through it. I mean, everyone else would do it. So Well, let me let me put you on the spot here, Bryce. So you've played hockey at a high level, like you played in the Ontario Hockey League, and you've played in front of thousands of fans at one time. Now, I'm sure like you didn't take a lot of penalties. You're not that kind of player, but like I'm sure there were some times where you. I know you told me a you told me a story one time about you like just getting kind of shredded by Connor McDavid one time. So like you're probably hearing your name the odd time scream from fans, or you're kind of hearing things while you're on the ice, like. 
isn't it just kind of part of the sport? Like I know hockey's quite a bit different than than golf and we're kind of getting off, like but isn't it time to start treating golf like a sport? Like Bryson's made 18 million dollars in his career playing this game. Like it's a game. Like and he's made 18 million dollars doing so. Flying on private jets, driving Rolls-Royce, stuff like that. Like Yeah, I remember when I was uh I was actually in Windsor playing a game and I got a penalty for God knows what, probably hooking, tripping, something lazy. But uh, I remember a fan was like tripping me. He was like, "You, you're awful. Like you suck." And I just kind of looked at him like, you know, what's funny is like you paid money to come watch me play. So you know what? So funny to sit down and watch the game. So like, I mean, even in golf, like play, you've seen players interact with fans. You've seen them jump jump back down their throats, like. It, it's happened before and now just now that it's happening to him it's a big problem i just i don't agree with it but then again i'm not on the pga committee well, well think about this though like think about the tiger era right so like think about tiger woods the allegiance of fans of tiger woods following him around the course screaming like great shot tiger this and that like sure they're not going directly at the other players but a lot of the, like, like think what Phil Mickelson used to deal with, with like the fanfare of Tiger Woods and all the pressure dealing with that. And like, I get the odd comment, the odd yell, something like that. Brooksy is like, it's a bit childish or whatever, but I don't know. The game's changing, right? Like we, we kind of like, we need to encourage fans, like you say, that are paying money to go there to be interactive in the sport and have their place. Don't yell Brooksy, whatever it is. I get it. Don't yell Brooksy, but I don't know. Anyway. Another thing is, is, if he didn't whine and complain the first time it happened, no one would be saying it. It's just because people like getting a rise out of him that it, they keep doing it. So, I mean, like you said, kind of directly, indirectly, indirectly, it's almost his fault for whining about it in the first place. So you should. You know what? You're right. That's a great point because if, if it probably would have happened occasionally from the odd guy, had a couple drinks or whatever. But at this point, it's like he, He's he has kind of brought it on himself by going back to it, revisiting it, making it you know mainstream on social media and whatnot. But uh, that's enough. Bryson needs to kind of grow up a little bit. He's got enough airtime from us, even though we're a small podcast. Enough airtime for now. Um, this week we uh, were fortunate enough. I was uh, able to sit down with Michael Blair just in between uh, a couple rounds. He's playing right now in uh, in the PI right now. So he was. There were there's kind of two events at the same resort. Last week he won the um he was the winner of the PI Open, uh the PJ Tour Canada McKenzie Tour at Dunderave. Um he's playing again this week. Yesterday he shot sixty-eight. I think he followed it up today with uh with sixty-seven. So we're recording this on Wednesday. This video will be out on Friday night, so we'll have a winner by that point. Hopefully it's Michael Blair again. Great conversation. Good guy from Burlington, Ontario. Let's hear the chat with Michael Blair. All right. We are here with Michael Blair. Michael, welcome to On the Screws Podcast. Appreciate you hopping on. Um, I just thought it would be great to have you on. The uh, tour finale is coming up, or the uh, playoff finale, and uh, you just won last week on the McKenzie Tour. Um, yeah. Anybody listening, I mentioned last week that I kind of was out in the bag with uh, with Jake there, and, and you've got a connection with him. I've gone to school with him. So maybe you can just let uh, any of our listeners know who you are, kind of how you got into golf and, and what you're doing now and uh, give us an update on uh, what's going on with you right now. Sure. Yeah. I'm Michael Blair from uh, Burlington, Ontario. Originally I live in the Lancaster, Ontario. Uh, got into golf really just uh, 
because I was too small to play hockey. <laughs> uh, you know, I played rep hockey, but uh, it's about 5-4 draft year, so that wasn't working out too well. Starting the concussion just starting to rack up, so I switched over to golf at about 14, 15 years old. And, uh, yeah, been playing ever since. Just, uh, just playing professionally now, uh, kind of dealing with some shoulder injuries on and off over the last bunch of years, and then COVID for a couple of years, so... I feel like it's been a rough last five years or so for me, even though uh, technically I've been professional since 2016. kind of feels like my first year, kind of starting all over again here with uh, finally feeling healthy and getting back to normal with playing tournaments. That's good to hear. Like, I feel like I'm I'm kind of in the same boat. We sound like we have a, a similar past. Like, I played rep hockey. I was a goalie, but um, I was kind of in the era of, like, Ben Bishop times, right? Like, all these guys were like, they're I'm about that age, so these guys are like six foot six, and, and here I am, I'm, you know, 5'10 on a good day, right? So, dislocated both my shoulders. Uh, that kind of took me in and away from golf at times. I found it easier to play, like, baseball, because it was always my left one, um, and I'm a lefty, so little bit easier to play baseball the baseball swing and then uh concussions as well so um glad you're healthy i know that uh sports are tough and golf's one of those ones that uh we need the body but you can kind of get through some things but like i said i was on the bag for jake um so hats off to you guys because if you're uh if you're walking those courses four times a week and practice rounds that's uh that's a lot of walking michael so good for you man but um I thought maybe you could tell us a little bit, uh, like you, you played at Eastern Michigan, um, in the past, I've been able to have a couple coaches on and some players and whatnot. So how was the college experience? How did that kind of prepare you for, uh, like where you are now with the McKenzie tour? Yeah. So I actually originally went to school in North Carolina, a D2 school called Pfeiffer university, and then, uh, transferred after two years to Eastern Michigan to division one school for my last two years. So kind of had, you know, a variety of experiences had some southern golf some northern golf d2 d1 kind of traveled a lot um college golf wise so that was you know i think it's decent preparation but um you know in terms of a professional golf jump like unless you're really a top guy i don't think it prepares you all that well just because everything's taken care of for you for uh, for college golf like your travel your hotel your food all you have to do is show up and play golf when you're in when you're in college you're yeah. just, you, know, you got homework too but uh general yeah, everything's looked after all you gotta do is show up and play golf and now all of a sudden miniature golf even mckenzie tour golf you know you gotta be your own travel agent you gotta be your own sports psychologist your own fitness coach your own everything basically you gotta organize it all yourself and playing golf is like still obviously you know, the main portion but now it might be you know, 60% of it versus you got to, you know, you got to deal with all this other stuff, just kind of, you know, itinerary organizing, all this other stuff logistically to uh, get yourself in the best possible shape to compete. Yeah. It reminds me, I had, um, you, well, you would know Rebecca Lee Bentham, so, uh, or know of her anyway in that area. So yeah. she came on the podcast recently. She was playing in the U S women's open. And that was one of the things that she said that took her away from professional golf was that grind of like, being your own travel agent, essentially like what you were saying. And it's, uh, it's such a grind to go through. And so you're down in PEI now, which, um, I was chatting with a gentleman a couple of weeks ago. His name's Terry Hashimoto. So he's done some, uh, some pressure mapping and stuff like that. So he does the body track system. He lives in PEI now. And, uh, I love PEI. PEI is amazing. Like I love being down there, but the one day that I had while I was there with my wife to, uh, to golf, we got rained out. So how's the course? How's things going? Like last week you won the, uh, I guess it was the 
Uh, the PI Open, yeah. And uh, so this week's at Brood and all that was at what course was that at last week? Dundrave. Dundrave. Same property, right. but the Dundrave course is at right. the Brood and River course this week. So how's it going? You've been able to kind of, uh, I guess, get a, get a, uh, some lodging with some of the other guys. It's been good. Yeah. So, I mean, like you're saying, logistically, you know, it's tough when you're on your own, but I've been fortunate enough to meet guys, not guys to, through golf to, to be able to, you know, travel together, which makes things a lot easier. You kind of got someone else to not rely on, but to kind of get, you know, go through things with you. And, uh, yeah. So the golf courses, both of them are great. Um, completely different styles. Dundrave looks kind of like a, uh, like where Muskoka type of golf course. Yeah. Northern Ontario kind of resort style, cut out of the trees, bit wider with like really big kind of wavy greens. Kind of, the, I know someone said they look like Pringle chips, basically like a lot of waves in them. Um, and then Brudenell is a little bit more of a traditional tree line type of golf course, a little bit more of a small ball type of course. Um, you know, back to front sloping greens, a lot of tree lines, a little bit tighter. So two different style of golf courses, but both of them really good. Well, uh, when we're having this chat right now, it's Tuesday evening and you're through your first round. So you shot a 68 today. So great round. Good for you. Um, and I, I'll typically put this out on the Friday. Uh, so it'll go out with, uh, the playoff finales up this weekend. So can I ask any predictions? You get any predictions for this weekend? Did you watch uh, the can the Pratchett Crantley and, uh, Bryson show the other day? Yeah, I managed to catch the, uh, the last, well, the playoff and then a couple of the last few holes. That was, it was pretty exciting. It was a yeah. good time. Um, you know, to be honest, I can't is, I mean, he putted it amazing. Everyone, I think it was statistically one of the best putting weeks ever, like top five or six ever. Putting. Yeah. So, you know, that's hard to replicate. Um, you know, it's hard to put anything past John Rom right now. He's just been the best player for so long. So, <laughs> yeah, I agree. John Rom's like, he's in everybody's, if, if you're picking a bracket, whatever it is in that first box, you're picking John Rom right now. Right. So, yeah, I mean, he had a decent week, but he didn't have to, you know, the extra burnout of, uh, the playoff and all that stuff, right? He's a little bit fresher. He's had like 14 top 10 this year or something like ridiculous. Like yeah. That. So yeah, I know with the staggered start, it's kind of weird, but usually that curse to wash away, do a round or two. And then like, unless Gantley goes out, I mean, just rinses everybody. But uh, yeah, I, I, it sounds boring, but I think John Ron's still uh, the guy everyone's going to be looking at. He, if, if Patrick Cantley putts like that, I think obviously it's going to be, tough for anybody to to get anywhere close so i think it was something like 15 strokes gained or 12 or 15 it was absolutely crazy like those and uh one of the stats i heard was he had five consecutive must makes in the playoffs or or actually might have been 17 18 and then the first three three playoff holes and it was 72 combined feet and five putts and obviously made all of them right so one of them was a 21 footer which is which is insane so um but uh this is michael blair PEI Open champion, so hats off to you, Michael. That's really uh, that's really amazing on the McKenzie Tour. Um, before I let you go, um, I know you're getting prepped for the morning. Um, if anybody wants to follow your your career, where can we get a hold of you? Where can we check you out? Yeah, I'm pretty. Uh, I got you know on all the uh, regular social media um, outlets, Instagram, Twitter. I think it's uh, M Blair four one six on Instagram and uh, MJ Blair Golf on uh, Twitter. So, you know, the, all the usual channels be, should be pretty easy to find me. And then other than that, you know, all the results are always on the um, Kenzie Tour website. So Perfect. Yeah, well, in the uh, description below, so like I said, it'll be out on uh, Friday. So that'll be 
uh, September 3rd, I believe. So when I post this up, I'll uh, drop a couple links in below. Um, I'd encourage anybody to go over and check out the McKenzie tour because uh, I had, you know, I was fortunate enough to walk inside the ropes with you guys and it was, uh, it was pretty good. I got to, uh, Caleb was there, Brandon says, uh, Ziggy. I uh, really liked watching Ziggy. He was a really nice guy. We had a great time. And, uh, of course with Jake McNulty. So you guys are all great golfers. It was a, it was a treat to watch. Um, I realized where those 10 strokes or so difference in my game are, uh, are lost. And, uh, unfortunately at this age, I'm, I'm not making those up. So, so congratulations to you guys and congratulations on your win last weekend, Michael. Thank you. Appreciate it. Michael Blair, good young guy, good young player, tons of talent. Hopefully, uh, hopefully we see him repeat by the time this goes out. Uh, that might be just about done. But Bryce, let's get into the uh, playoff finale, the Tour Champion, Tour Championship. Um, this week, I guess it seemed like everybody's eyes were on the TV, kind of watching that. You know, Bryce and Patrick Canley six hole playoff. Pretty much from hole 14 onward, I, I messaged you and I said, like, Bryce, did you see him, like, call him out and tell him to stop walking or whatever it may be? And uh, sure enough, Patty Cantley rolls. This is one of the – okay, so I think it was either 12 or 15 total strokes gained on the field, on the field of a PGA Tour event, which is one of the craziest stats in PGA Tour history – Five holes when he needed to make a putt. So if he, just to explain this, if he would have missed any of these putts, the tournament would have been over. Bryson would have won five holes in a row at 72 combined feet or total feet. So one of those was like a 21-footer he had to make too, and he made it, um, which is pretty pretty unreal. So what do you uh, what do you think of the BMW, Bryce? What do you think of the uh, Tour Championship coming up? Uh, first of all, the BMW is awesome. I mean, it kind of brought you brought me back to last year when Rob and DJ were in the playoff, both green and bombs too. Kind of. Yeah, that was like I think DJ made like a fifty-eight footer, and then Bright or uh, Rob made a uh, like a sixty-six footer or something like Maybe that. Like Sixty-two or something. I don't know. I yeah. watched the highlights from it like the week before the BMW. Um, but yeah, just uh, in BMW fashion, more putts were draining, and they weren't short ones, that's for sure. So it was awesome to see. I mean, I wish I could put like that, but we all know I can't. Um, hey, 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 hold on, because we posted a reel last week of you playing Disney, and you made yeah. probably a 20-footer, So and it had some bend in it. It definitely had some bend. So so the putting game is coming along. But you know, speaking of those like draining putts and whatnot, the scores were, I think it finished at minus 26 or 27. Like, what did you think about that for the second, you know, the second last event of the season? What are your thoughts there? The score's too high or should it have been a bit more challenging? I mean, yes and no. I think it def- they shouldn't have been that high. I don't think any tournament should be that high. But then again, being the last tournament like that, and I think points are doubled, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Whatever it is. Um, I'd like to see guys that maybe are, like, way out of it and shoot really good and come back into it. Uh, maybe guys on that bubble that have like a really good round and tear that course apart, they can jump up a few spots. So I like to see some movement in the standings, but I also don't think they should be at 2700, 2800. That's a bit ridiculous. Yeah, I think it was just, um, well, this week at East Lake, too, they're kind of predicting some low scores again, which is kind of interesting because it feels like a major championship vibe, right? Like last week at the BMW, it felt like it was kind of like, you know, a lot of eyes were on TV. I was telling you, like, so many people were messaging, talking about it. Like, I had just random people on Instagram saying, like, hey, like, how does this format work and stuff like that? So I just thought we'd hop into, like, a couple of the players, right? So 
we've only got one Canadian in the field. So Corey Connors, who's been lights out, he's now solidified himself as one of those top 30 players. So I think we're going to see him here for the next few years. So he starts out at minus one. Hideki Matsuyama's right there, major champion. Uh, Stuart Sink, who won a couple of times on the on tour this year, which was uh, which was pretty awesome. Like I, I like seeing Stuart Sink on there. Um, one of my picks that we're going to come back to, Daniel Berger. He's at even par. He uh, was tied for thirtieth. Uh, Billy Horschel, your guy Sergio squeaked in, and uh, we saw we saw Patty Reed is is going to make the trip. He's going to make it down there and uh, and try and win. So the way that this format works is it's kind of. Um, Everybody gets in the last couple of weeks or, well, really for the season, you get points towards the last few events. And then those points kind of double, triple, whatever it may be. And you get almost like a ranking. And so Patrick Cantlay being the top uh, FedEx points earner starts at minus 10. This is fairly new, though, I believe, right? In the last couple of years, they just started doing this where they start at minus 10, minus 8, minus 7. Yeah. And I... To be yeah, to be honest, I love it. Like I, I love the format because it's not played like this in any other tournaments, and it's kind of like the guys who are there all year are the ones who are at the top with the best chance to win. Like they're playing for fifteen million dollars. Like the winners getting fifteen million dollars in this tournament. So I thought it might be kind of cool. Like mention some of the guys down there. Like you know, if you're like even even Louis uh, Oosthuizen, who we've been talking to a lot, like he has a seven stroke handicap, or like a you know he's seven strokes below Patrick Cantlay. So it's one of those names, right? Patrick Cantlay is one of those names. He's just so consistent, and I figure like when you give a guy like that a ten stroke handicap on some of the other players in the field, how do you beat him? <clears throat> how do you make up two and a half strokes around, right? It's totally. not on Patrick Cantlay. Like it's just not going to happen. So that's why I feel like it's going to happen from. Maybe the guys who are minus four, minus five, and upward. Like I think the the guys lower are kind of like we've got a couple players like Justin Thomas at minus four, Cameron Smith at minus five, John Rahm at minus six. Those three guys right there are players who can go low. Like we've seen Cameron Smith just came off a sixty two weeks ago, and John Rahm's the best player in the world, and JT's right there, of course, right? So. Yeah, a couple of 62s. Like you messaged me a couple weeks ago, he shot a 62. So there's some low scores to be had, especially this weekend at East Lake. They, the guys know the course. Like it's been played there a couple years now, and they're kind of predicting a lower, well, a higher, a higher score. So what do you think, Bryce? Like who do who do you got? If if is there anybody? Let's remove Patrick Cantlay from the equation. Let's talk about how the other players will need to play to catch him. I'm I'm not sure if I can predict a scorer right now with Patrick Hanley being minus 10, yeah. but we've got Tony Finau at minus eight, Bryson DeChambeau at minus seven. So Tony Finau winning a couple weeks ago solidified himself as the, he could not go any lower than number two. He could have finished number one, um, but he could not have gone any lower than number two. So the way that it worked with Patrick Cantley and Bryson, whoever won was going to be number one at minus 10 the loser of that playoff was going to be number uh, three at minus seven. So that was like a massive swing, like three strokes is huge. Right. So Bryson kind of pulling those five footers that really hurt his chances. But um, is there anybody that's kind of sticking out to you when you look at the leaderboard right now? I mean, if he's on his game, I love Cam Smith at five under five strokes back. Um, he played pretty good. Um, what was term for the BMW? It slipped my mind. I know it's slipping mine too. Because when I mentioned that he shot a sixty, I couldn't remember what the event was. But uh, 
but it's recent, right? Northern like, Trust? sorry, the Northern Trust. Yeah, it was the Northern Trust. You're right. Yeah. So, so I mean, he ripped the sixty of the Northern Trust, and he was right there. Um, he was in the playoff with Finau. I mean, if he's on, he's hard to beat, man. That guy is dialed in most of the time. So I love him at five without picking Cantley, obviously. And then I also like it's like speed, like I said earlier. I mean, yeah. he's had a hell of a year, and um, I'd love to see him win because I think he deserves it, especially after the year he's had and all the stuff that's gone on with these past couple of years and him not playing great. Um, I'd love to see him come back and win. I think that'd be great. Yeah, I think like just looking through it, like the easy name to say is John Rom. Obviously, he's been the best player in the world now for a significant amount of time. He's got a four-stroke handicap, four points back. Um, that's kind of like if if you're a betting man, like that's a stroke to make up on Patrick Cantlay through four days. Like one one a day is not uh, it's not not unheard of, definitely. But um, if I were to go kind of drop down in the pack a little bit, I I'm looking at Sam Burns. So I often pick Sam Burns. I think he's one of the best young players in the game. Won the Valspar and he's put up some pretty low rounds this year. So he's at minus four. And I think if somebody has got the chance to kind of put together some low rounds, the problem is, is he's had a really hard time. He's, I, I read this stat earlier in the year. It was either he was the, he had had the most 36 hole lead, uh, 36 hole um, leads throughout like the last two seasons, or it might've even been 54 holes and just can't close all the time. Right. So that's the only thing I worry about is the four day grind. If that's too much for him. And, uh, yeah, I want to kind of do a throwback to last year and go DJ. Like, DJ's at minus three. I think yeah. in these types of events, you know, if – I remember talking to Bob Weeks a little while ago, and he said it really well. He said, if you're to take all of these players in the world at their absolute peak, playing the best golf that they can, DJ's the best player in the world. So, I think John Rom's putting up a, you know, a tough bet for that. But I think DJ, when you talk about talent – ball striking, putting, I, I guess just all of it all together. Like pure talent, DJ is probably the closest thing that we've seen to Tiger in a very long time, right? So I would like to see him make some noise, kind of make something happen for the weekend. Um, I guess those would be my guys. I got to remember because I'm going to make a post. So I'm going to go uh, I'm gonna go DJ, Sam Burns, and John Rom for this week. I got – I just didn't want to take Rom because, like you said, I mean, he's just going to be there, you know, like it's expected. Um one guy that I don't think is going to give Cantley a run, but I want—I think he's going to be kind of up there is Eric Van Rooyen. Yep. He's playing lights out lately and kind of one of those guys where you're not used to seeing him there all the time. And, like, he's been in the mix in the past few tournaments, which is awesome. Um, great style with the joggers. Love that. My kind of stuff. Now, what about the other South African in the field, your boy Louie? What do you think about Louie? Yeah, Louis, Louis is going to be there. He's, he's going to finish, like, Second, third or fourth. I'm wrong. <laughs> I kind of. I was listening to Spit and Chickles podcast the other day, and I, I'm not going to say this is mine, but Louis used to using or used to losing. <laughs> Louis, Louis used to losing. I like it. They said that on there. I was just cracking up. I think it's a great one, but it's true. You just can't find a way to finish. But he'll be there, I'm sure. Okay, so you're three. Give me your three. I know you said Cam Smith. I got Smith, Spieth, and. I'm not going to take Van Roy because, I mean, it's just you can't make up that much ground on a four-day tournament, in my opinion. I mean, I'd love to see it, but I just think it's 
almost impossible. I'm going to take Hovland. I want Hovland to have a good turn. Nice, Hovland. Okay, so I'm looking at a couple names. Tony Finau and Bryson DeChambeau not getting any love. So I know we're we're both huge Tony Finau fans. Um, But it's just... It, you know, he's very consistent. It's just he finally came through, got the win. I just, I got to see more of a body of work, right? So, speaking of Tony Finau, good segue. Let's roll into some of the Ryder Cups. So Team Europe has uh, nine picks or nine players total right now. So, I'm just going to talk about them. We'll go into who we think the final three will be next week if they haven't already, uh, if they haven't already unleashed them or kind of, I don't want to say unleashed. <laughs> that, was, that was bad. But, uh, um, if they haven't brought them out, um, for next week, we will, uh, we'll chat about who we think might be those final three, but, uh, we got John Rom, Fleetwood, Hatton, Hovland, Rory, Casey, Matthew Fitzpatrick, Westy, and Lowry. So really solid team. That sounds like a dominant team as it is. And they don't even have Ian Poulter on that team yet. So I know you have the American version of Ian Poulter on your list. All right, so the top six picks that we have locked in for the uh, Team USA, Steve Stricker's the captain. We know now Phil Mickelson is the uh, assistant captain. And we got Morikawa, Dustin Johnson, Bryson, Brooks, Justin Thomas, Patrick Cantlay. So those are six of the best players in the world. Um you you look on the other side and they got like Rom, Rory, like it's it's gonna be it's gonna be a tough like it's gonna be a great Ryder Cup. I can't wait to watch it. Um my picks, I posted them the other day. I had Xander, Speed, Finau, which I think those three are on every single person's list making the US database or whatever you want to call it for uh for the Ryder Cup. I went with uh, my guy Sam Burns. I've said it a few times. Won the Valspar this year. I think he's one of the best young players. It'd be really good to get him some Ryder Cup experience. Webb Simpson, I feel like, is the safe bet. If I saw somebody moved in and out for Webb, I wouldn't be too upset by it. And uh, Daniel Berger. So he, I thought he had won twice this year, but I think he's only won at the AT&T, uh, the Pebble Be- like at the Pebble Beach. Um, but he's had a couple like top finishes. I know he's high at the US Open, um, played well at the Masters. So... I think I would like to see Daniel Berger there. What do you think, Bryce? Like, do you echo the Xander, Spieth, and Finau? Yeah, hundred um, percent. Just quick disclaimer: if you see me looking this way, I got my notepad over here. Yeah, no worries. Uh, yeah, I got Finau, Xander, and Spieth as well. I mean, it's hard not to just put them in, almost solidify them now. Um, in my opinion, um, I got Webb Simpson as well, just because I mean he's so consistent most of the time, and I'm pretty sure he's been on it. In past years and he knows his role there and I think he plays it pretty well but I have two picks that Mac didn't have I have Patty Reed going in there because I mean although they have their problems with him or rumors of problems I still think he's a, one of the best wedge players on tour and I still think he brings a big game to the to the Ryder Cup team so just just before like when he had double pneumonia when I made my list and posted my list so I think if I were to remove somebody, it would be Webb to put in Reed, to put in Patty Reed. He is still the best wedge player on tour, and he's one of the best putters. So, and we remember Speeth of a few years ago, kind of with the, or uh, Reed with the uh, kind of shush in the crowd, right? So that meme's still out there. I think if he's healthy, which we're going to find out this weekend at East Lake, then yeah, I think he is going to knock out Webb Simpson or uh, Daniel Berger on my list. So who's your last one? Kid. Of course, one of the best match play players on tour, and he puts lights out. And 
I just think they need to have him there. I mean, he's been there in previous years, and I think he's a big part of that team, whether it's on the golf course or off, because he's such such camaraderie guy. So yeah, I mean, I think I just think he's got to be there. I I don't think you're I don't think you're wrong there. Like all of these guys that we're saying are, are great picks. Um, I think Kiz is a little bit low on the list for me now, but. Again, like if he kind of, uh, I just don't want to see Sam Burns taken out because I, I really think that Sam Burns is one of the best young American players. I think that he should be there. Um, but there are so many players that can kind of, uh, kind of, I don't know, move the needle. So G Stricker, Phil Mickelson, yeah, that's a great pick for an assistance pick. I think we knew he was going to be there, but he's playing on tour with these guys, beating these guys a lot of the times right now. So he'll be able to give not just, um, like a physical assessment of these players, but also like an emotional and like understand what is going through a lot of the players' minds. Cause the Ryder cup is like, it's like playing in one of the biggest events of their life. Right. So um, I think that's why I really like Xander too, because he's just showed that he can win the Olympics. And it's kind of that, like that kind of different vibe of an atmosphere. Right. The Olympics in my opinion. Yeah. Um, what do you think of, uh, Maybe last minute, them uh, throwing Tiger into the mix as another captain. Not to play, but just to be there and be around the guys. I mean, I think that would be phenomenal. But Yeah, Tiger's the GOAT. We know that, right? If you can have him there. I know he's been uh, walking around on crutches and stuff like that. If you can have him there, why not? I think he's got to be there, right? I mean, I just think it would be a big impact on the whole USA team and the the whole aura of being there with him there. would just It would be awesome, I think. I like it. I love it, man. It's uh, it, it definitely w- never hurts Seth Tiger around. And if you have that ability, why not have him there? So um, next week, if they haven't already got to it, we will uh, talk about some of the Europeans in the field. We've already got nine, so I'm pretty sure Poulter is going to be one of them. But uh, we'll have to kind of have a look at who those last three will be. A lot of good young players. I'm really, really happy that they have Hovland and Matt Fitzpatrick on that team. I think those guys are two of the very, very best young players in the world right now. Um, but yeah, this was a great episode, Bryce. Um, anybody listening to this, if you haven't already go over, check out our OTS golf, uh, at OTS golf on Instagram right now, at this point in time, we are doing a giveaway with siren golf. They are a past guest hop over, tag a couple buddies. You can win a towel and a glove of your choice from their website. They've got like Paisley designs, kind of like the Burberry look, uh, palm trees, like really cool stuff. Um, and of course, head over to On The Screws Podcast if you're not watching this on YouTube and subscribe to the channel. And uh, yeah, I will link anything from Michael Blair, good young Canadian player, uh, professional out of Burlington, Ontario. I'll link his social handles and whatnot in the description below. And we'll see you next week. Thanks, Bryce. Thank you. See you later. Take it easy, man. He's out in my ball and of course so I tee up I lose a ball and I re-up I miss the fairway, I probably end up in the ocean Or maybe the beach And I'm on a part five and I'm finna go reach it Second was blind, I see it Feel like it might be an albatross